Well, good morning. Good to be back with you folks this morning. If you open with me, please, in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. We'll be talking about going through verses 3 through 12 this morning. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, it is so good to be here this morning. It is so good to have your word. We pray now that our hearts would be right. We pray the things that are in our minds, the growling of our stomachs, Lord, that we would just set those aside. And we would look into your word and we pray that we would see Jesus this morning. We want to just commit this time to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's uh, begin reading from the New American Standard, starting verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And that though you have not seen him, You love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with a joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as an outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you as made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating, as they predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you in these things, which now have been announced to you through those who preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. My friend Philip and I were at his grandmother's house talking about it, and we were to knock at the door. We opened up a door, and here's a fairly well dressed gentleman in a tie and a suit, and said, Hi, I'm blah, 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 and I wanted to ask you, you ever think about how, if this world could ever have real peace? You know, I'm like, you know, Jehovah Witness. Okay? I said, come on in here. <laughs> well, this guy, Philip, he, he's, um, we're kind of working together. I'm working with him on having a quiet time and so forth. And he said, you know, I'd like to learn how to do evangelism or something like that. And I said, okay. So, anyway, we're there, and this guy comes up, and I said, let me ask you something. If I did everything you told me to do, and I believed everything you told me to believe, what would I get? 
And he, you know, danced around and everything. You know, they don't know how to answer. This fellow didn't anyway, a direct question because he kind of a canned speech. I said, no, I want to know. What do I get if I believe what you believe and I do what you tell me to do? What do I get? He says, well, you can live on a paradise earth and Jesus will be here with you. I said, well, I'm not interested. You have a second-rate salvation. You have a second-rate Savior. And it doesn't hold a candle to what I have in the Bible. I don't mean your Bible, and I don't mean interpreted by the watchtower. I mean the Bible. We're in John 1.1. The word was God is a big G. And not a God, little g. And uh, I said, I'm really not interested in what you have to say. I said, Philip, let's go. And Philip's just kind of like, he said, I've never seen that approach before. So, <laughs> we have a great salvation. It is so great that man could not even dream this up. Amen. You ask any religion. You, we've heard on the news, haven't we, the 6 o'clock news. These suicide bombers go to reach paradise. And maybe, you know, 70 virgins, okay, by a river. And it's wonderful. Now, this is, you know, okay, some guys would think, okay, that's pretty good. But I want to tell you something. If that's, that's all they could dream up. That's all they could dream up. And so what we need to do is take a look at this passage. I want to tell you, it's an amazing passage. If you tried explaining salvation, have you ever done that? I have. I don't do a very good job at it. Well, what does it mean to be saved? Well, Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. He shed his blood. And I no longer go to hell because I was under judgment. Now I'm not. And I can uh, have a relationship with him. Weak. Peter here takes the language originally in Greek and translated into English. And you can just feel these verses bending under the weight of the glory of what he has to say. Let's take a look, if we would. We're going to be looking at these verses broken into three sections. It's the, see here, the blessed, blessed God for our future salvation. Peter goes on to say, keep your faith in present trials. And that's verses 6 through 9. This salvation was foretold long ago, verses 12, excuse me, 10 through 12. Let's start, if we would, in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Right here in this verse, Peter nails it. Blessed be the God. Not a God. Not one of many. Any of the Greeks reading this who had come to Christ, it nails it down. We're talking about the God. And the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For the Jews who persecuted and crucified. This is the one. The one of whom Abraham and Moses spoke about. This is the God, and this is His Son. And here it says, has caused. It really literally means, has us born again. Or has born again us. 
We sang earlier birthdays here. You know, you guys break all the rules, by the way. You know that, don't you? Yeah, you do it on purpose and you're proud of it. Yeah. You know, at churches today, in church growth, they say, let the people kind of, you know, come in in the back. Everyone, everyone who's regular sit in the front rows. There will be an empty here. But, and, and then people can slip in and out and you, they don't have to worry. And then they start warming up and maybe they'll say hi to you. No, you, their first day. It was someone's first day, wasn't it? And they're up there and you're singing happy birthday. We'll never see you again, will we? <laughs> okay. You guys break all the rules. Now I forgot where I was. Oh, yeah. My point was, you're saying about two birthdays. And here God says, listen, I made you. I created you through Adam and Eve. And that's where we're God's creation. And because of sin, we a, a gap, a separation between God and man was there. And God has come back to give another life. That will never be lost. This is a great salvation. It's a born again. I remember oh, years ago, 20-something years ago when I got saved, I was raised in a church that I would call myself by that denomination or that religion. And then I got born again. I remember my dad walking me into a, a Bible study at his church. And my brother Greg was there actually. And he goes, uh, this guy introduced us as a couple of Biblers. A couple of born-againers. And uh, it's not just a, 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 an American church phrase. It is a biblical phrase. There's, when, we are, when we come to know Christ, we have new life. We are new creation. Amen. It's not just a, a repatching, a refinishing. I, I, I talk a lot about personal experience when I preach because that's kind of where my mind is at. We're, we're redoing our house. We're getting it ready to show people so they can rent it. And, uh, you know, we're putting on new paint. We're doing new texture. No, this is a whole new house from the foundation up. huh? Amen. And this is a great salvation. Bless God for our salvation. What a blessing it is. And to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Imperishable. That is, it will last forever. It doesn't diminish. I know some people here, you're probably doing estate planning and thinking, what can I leave my kids? Or maybe you've received an inheritance. Has it diminished? And no matter you know how much planning you do, whatever you do with your inheritance, I'm not against leaving an inheritance to your kids. Okay, girls, you can relax. I'm all for it. But it's going to diminish. Not this one. It's a fantastic inheritance and one that we can't even conceive of. An undefiled. Unstained. Literally unstained. There's nothing wrong with this. It's perfect. You know, we, we got five years ago, we got new carpets. And we thought, let's, you know, the, the light color is almost just a little off white or really in. And I was walking through those carpets yesterday and I thought, we've got to either tear these things up or get them clean. They look horrible. They're stained. Moving a bed out for the painters and there's all these stains my dog left there for it. It's defiled. This inheritance is not defiled. 
And I don't care, you know, what your bank account says today. You are rich. We are rich in Jesus Christ. We have an inheritance in heaven. Will not fade away. Recently, my daughter and I went looking for a car. And I wanted white because white is safe, right? You can see a car. They say that they have safety studies. They say you can see white cars better than any other color. On a cloudy day, sunny, doesn't matter. What color does she want? She wants red. (laughs) And I said, honey, you can't get red. You know, it fades. Within years, you know, this beautiful, bright, shiny car will look all chalky and and kind of start cracky and this kind of thing. It just won't. It's going to fade. This this inheritance, it's going to glisten. It's going to shine for all eternity. Let's take a look at verse 5. Who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation to be revealed in the last time. Protected. Guarded. That's us. You know, we're protected. We're guarded. When you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son that the Father sent, and you have new life, unlike the first life that was lost through sin, this life lasts forever. It's yours forever. Praise the Lord. You, if you have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have eternal life. And nothing can take that away. Nothing can come against you. Nothing. We're protected by nothing less than the power of God. And how do we get into this salvation? This is important. It's through faith. It's through faith. I was raised in a religion that I believed. And there are two religions in the world. I don't care what you call it or anything like that. There are two religions. There's the one I'm talking about right here. Through faith. And then there's through your own efforts. Jehovah Witness. It's through your own efforts. Islam. It's through your own efforts. That's why you're guaranteed salvation and paradise if you blow yourself up in the middle of Tel Aviv. Isn't that nice that we don't have to blow ourselves up Amen. in the middle of Tel Aviv? You know, my Savior died for me. Amen. I don't have to die for Him. Wow, what a salvation. There is no salvation. You know, we get used to this. But there is no salvation. There is no Savior like Jesus Christ Amen. and what He brings. There is none. And you think, well, you're pretty narrow-minded. Maybe you're thinking this. Or how can you say that? Because it's true. And I am narrow-minded. I am narrow-minded enough to say that this is true. And I've listened. It's not because I've said, well, gee, I don't know that Islam teaches this or what Jehovah Witnesses teach or, or you name the religion, any other religion but the, the one who says, I am saved by grace. That is undeserved favor. Through faith. I don't do anything else but believe what is true. And I'm, I'm saved by God and I'm protected by God and I'm kept by God until the day of redemption. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. Through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed. It's ready. This salvation is not like we're waiting until you know, Christ finishes His job. It's done. And it's ready. And someday it's going to be revealed. And we need to talk a little bit about that.
ready to be revealed. It's a future event. Now you say, well, wait a second, aren't we saved now? I've had teachers tell me, see, you can't say for certain you're going to heaven because this salvation hasn't yet been revealed. It hasn't yet come to us. I remember thinking, oh, brother, maybe he's got a good point there. What is he talking about? We have to realize that in the Bible, the Bible talks about salvation in three, three ways, really. Yeah, maybe three tenses too. See, doctor, what was they called you, Doctor Dean? Or... <laughs> yeah, you got past, present, future, right? Okay. Well, I'll, I'll, let me put it another way. Um, we're saved from the penalty of sin. When Jesus Christ went to the cross, on the cross, the wrath for my sin, my sin was taken in His body, and the wrath that was due my sin was poured out from the Father on the Son, and He died as my substitute. He died in place of Jeff Lanet. Okay. Now another thing was accomplished. We read about it in Romans six, and that is that when Christ died. I died as my figurehead, as my representative. When he died, I died. When he rose again to new life, no longer affected by sin, I rose again. And so through Christ, I've not only died and have been saved from the penalty of sin, but I am saved from the uh, power of sin. I don't, you know, as a Christian, I don't have to sin. Why don't you say that with me? As a Christian, I don't have to sin. I don't know if you know that, but you don't. You may want to sin. You may sin. Hey, let's drop the may. You sin. But you don't have to because we've been set free from the power of sin. It's no longer my master. Righteousness. The Lord Jesus Christ. That's my new master. In Christ. Positionally speaking. But in the future... I'm going to be saved from the presence of sin. I am not saved today from the presence of sin. Good night. I don't know about you, but I think maybe subconsciously, foolishly, maybe you do this too. You try and get in the best neighborhoods to get away from sin. You try to put your kids in the right schools to keep them away from sin. Maybe you have your kids homeschooled or in a private Christian school. I know a lot of parents do it. We did it too. Somewhat. But we do that. Why? One of the main motivations as a parent is I want to keep my kids away from sin. I didn't want them being corrupted by the world. I didn't want them in danger. It's like swimming in a sewer. Morally speaking, spiritually speaking, but someday we're going to be saved from that. Let's, let's just take a look. A little glimpse, if we would. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 21. Starting with verse 1. This is, uh, I think, part of the last time that we're reading about in verse 5. And that is, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there's no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, ready as a bride adorned for a husband. 
And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and I shall dwell among them, and I shall, <clears throat> and they shall be my people, and I, and God himself shall be among them. Excuse me, sorry. Verse 4, And he shall wipe away, he, that's God himself, he shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there shall no longer be any death. There shall no longer be uh, any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he said, uh, he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. And he said, Write these words. Are right for these words are faithful and true. It's going to happen, my friends. Someday we are going to be saved from the presence of sin. And that salvation we haven't come into yet. We're here for a while. And that's Peter's point. Peter is saying to the church in these uh, different areas and regions that he's writing to, he says, look, you are going through a time of trial now. And it's, it seems dark. I remember being shocked as a Christian, a new Christian, and uh, things were going really great. And I thought, hey, this is super. I'm a Christian and I'm with God and He is for me and everything's going well. And all of a sudden, trouble came. And I thought, well, maybe, maybe I'm not saved. Doesn't God, did I make a man? What's going on? Why am I having these troubles? And Peter's, Peter is pointing out to these Christians, look, right now, you're going through trials, and it's, it's, it's for a good reason. It's not because you're foolish. It's not because you're immoral. It's not because you are a wicked or evildoer. It's because you name Christ as your own. And this world is hostile to God, and it's going to be hostile to you. And Christ suffered, but the glories came. And you're suffering now, and the glory is going to follow. And I don't know what you're going through today. But I tell you, sometimes I go through, I don't know about you, but the, uh, the war, when the war broke out, for a week I was up, you know, like 24 hours a day, CNN, you know, and it just, it scared me to death. I thought my life, my whole world's collapsing around me. There is no safe haven here. I thought, my world? This isn't my world. I'm just passing through. There's glory to come. And even for Jeff Lanett in San Jose, California, who you know doesn't even a speck or a blip on the radar screen, God has my name written in the book of life. And someday I'm going to see him face to face, and there I'm going to be with him forever. And so I don't know. Peter's saying it doesn't matter what happens now because it's only for a moment. And eternity, glory is for eternity. And he's telling these, these people, you need a paradigm shift. You need to change the way you look at things. You need to put things into perspective. Sometimes I talk to young people, working with young people, and they get all upset, you know, about, you know, Johnny never called me again, or Mary wouldn't go out with me, whatever. And you say, well, good night. Put it in perspective. Don't you always hear, you know, what about the people starving in China? What about, you know, you and you count all the blessings to try and get some perspective of your little momentary suffering we have. And, and that's what Peter is trying to give the Christians here. That, yeah, things are really bad. Your whole, it may seem like your world's falling in around you. But in perspective, as Paul, 
said, this momentary light suffering. And I want to tell you, when you read what happened to Paul, and for him to say that, you say, was this guy off his nut? One percent of that happened to me. I'd be calling, I need the whole church praying for me. It'll get it going, you know. I'm going down for the third time. Momentary, light suffering, eternal weight of glory. What a great salvation we have. And, and, and I realized later that being a Christian doesn't mean everything goes better with Jesus. It means that sometimes there are trials and there's testings, and even those God takes and uses for His glory. Let's take a look at verse 6. Here he says, And in this you greatly rejoice, even though... Look at the time. Verse 5 was looking to the future. Now Peter brings him right back. Even though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. It's now. It's not forever. It's now. And it's for a little while. And that's if it's necessary. And I don't know what trial you're going through, but there are various trials that hit us. Maybe it's your, your, your husband or your wife have gone, gone astray. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's your parents. Maybe it's your business. I don't know. But you're, there's something that some of us have been very uptight about this week. And what Peter is saying is you need to change the way you look. When I said paradigm shift, that's an old word, an old power, yuppie word from a while ago. But let me give you an example of this. Imagine yourself on a train. It's quiet. You have the whole car to yourself. And you can start reading whatever you read. Let's say your newspaper. And you start reading it. You come to a stop. And then in comes a man and four very rambunctious kids. And they're just running around and they're throwing things at each other. And you're just, you know, hey, this guy needs growing kids God's way. What's, what kind of a dad is he, you know? And you're, you're sitting there, you're reading the paper. And all of a sudden, you know, the kid throws something, hits the paper. And you just, you can't control your righteous indignation anymore. And you go up to the fellow and you say, hey, what's going on? You need to take care of your kids. And the guy looks up at you kind of dazed. He says, I, I'm sorry, I, what was that? Your kids are running around, they're going, they're running amok, you gotta take care of them. I'm sorry, I, we just, we just came from the hospital and my wife has terminal cancer. The doctor gave her three weeks to live. I, I just haven't been the same. Well, now what do you think? That's a paradigm shift. And when you have troubles in your life and you just get frustrated and you think, what's going on? You need to remember. There's an eternal weight of glory. Amen. And you keep that in perspective. Same events, same things going on, different perspective. And we need this. Verse 7. So that the proof of your faith, again, it's faith, it's not your works, it's not your, your money, it's not your financial status, it's not your bloodline, it is your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and the glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Again, there's a revelation. Now here, we're talking about the... People are saying, you know, in a moment, when the trumpet sounds. Well, that's the rapture. That could happen right now. 
That can happen at any moment where, where the church is caught up in the air and we meet Jesus in the air. But you know, the rest of the world is saying, what happened? I think UFOs came for him or, or whatever else. They just, where did all those people go? But there's going to be a time where Jesus Christ physically returns to the earth and he's going to put an end to all this rebellion. And pretty soon, eventually, there'll be put an end to this earth and the heavens. And there'll be a new heaven, a new earth as we read about in Revelation. Look at this. The, the, in verse 7, he's really drawing a value of faith versus gold. And gold, for, he makes a good argument for gold here. He, he says it's one of the most enduring. It's not destroyed by fire. If we had a big pile of $20 bills here, you know, and all of a sudden a fire broke out and we ran out, when we came back, that money wouldn't be here. If it was a big chunk of gold, it'd be here. It's enduring. Gold lasts a long time. They put in, use it in space technology for that reason. If the dollar of the United States becomes worthless, we, we hear lately, if you've been listening to the news, it's been weakened. The dollar's weakened. If that dollar becomes worthless and there are countries whose economies just blow away and you could take, their, you could take wheelbarrows of their money and unless it, you use it to start a fire, it's not good for anything. But if you had gold, well, now that's valuable. That's very valuable. It's accepted internationally. You can take gold anywhere you want. I've been traveling even in some places in Europe, and they won't take dollars. But as precious as it is, as enduring as it is, as compared or weighed against faith, faith has got it. It's more precious than gold. You know the fact that you have heard the gospel. And dear friends, if you've heard the gospel and you haven't placed your faith in it yet, you, you have to do that today. And by faith, what is faith? Faith really means to be persuaded to the point of action. You know, if I were to tell you I have got a stock you can buy for 10 bucks, and within 30 days you can sell for 110 How would I know if you believed me? If you bought the stock, Dr. Dean, I'm glad you're in the audience. If you buy the stock, and you know, you can go to church all your life and never buy the stock. You hear about Jesus, maybe even raised in a church, baptized, confirmed, I don't know. Maybe you come here every week and you break bread. I don't know. Your parents are Christians, your brothers are Christians, your sisters are Christians, but what about you? Have you bought the stock? Have you said, I, Lord Jesus Christ, I'm, I'm done. I can't do it on my own. I'm not going to trust anything but you and my whole eternal soul, my soul, my whole life, I trust in you. And I accept this great salvation that you're talking about. Let's move on to, um, let's move down to verse 10. In this section, we have, uh, this salvation was foretold long ago. You know, it's not just some Johnny-come-lately religion. Verse 10, As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would... Again, looking back in the Old Testament, they were looking forward to this salvation. We're looking back on the cross. They were, they were looking forward to the cross. It was a future event for them. 
again, verse 10, would come, uh, that would come to you made careful search and inquiries. In other words, they would go to the Bible and they would read the Bible, the Old Testament, what Moses wrote or, or the others, you know, and they, they would read what God had already revealed. And, and through that and, and praying to God, God made special revelation to them. People like Isaiah. We read about it like in, in the book of Daniel, Jeremiah, all those who, who foretold the coming of Christ or in the Jewish term, Messiah. And they were, they were looking forward to this. And they made careful search and inquiries. They, they asked, God, what's this all about? And dear friends, I want to encourage you today. If you're still on the other side, say, well, you know, I'm not persuaded yet to the point of action. You come to this Bible. Come to 1 Peter. Come to John. Come to any book in the Bible you want. And, and make careful search and inquiry and say, God, is this true? Is it true? Seeking to know, verse 11, what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating. As he was predicting the sufferings of Christ. Here's our, here's our model. Here's our, our setup. The order of things. The sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. Jesus said, in this world you have many tribulations. It's a promise. It's not the promise I like to claim when I get up in the morning, but it's true. But glories to follow. Just as sure as there's suffering, there are even greater glories that will follow. Think about this person or time. Isaiah, just jot down Isaiah 53. Just jot that down. When you get a moment, you go home and you read that. It was written 750 years before the birth of Christ. They have copies of Isaiah predating the birth of Christ 120 years. This is part of what they found in the Dead Sea Scrolls. In fact, some of the Jewish scholars and, and even among the Christian liberal theologians say Isaiah was written after the crucifixion because there's no way anyone could have known to that kind of detail. Well, there's no way unless you're God. Verse 12, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. That's me and you, if you know Christ this morning. In these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Let me tell you something. This, this message is not a normal message. There is no other religion that has come up with this message. And when I asked the Jehovah Witness that day, what do I get? It was just not merely a shadow of what we read about here today. And it's, it's in the Gospel, the good news. And it's preached, not only is it the Word from there, and the Son from heaven, but the Spirit today, even today, if you'll open your heart to Him, comes from heaven and says, Hey, what do you think? Will you listen? Will you listen to my word? Will you open your heart and mind to me? Will you seek truth? And, and for us as Christians, He comes to us and He comforts us. In our darkest time, when we're most discouraged, 
He comforts us. Well, how, do we, how should we then live? For those who are born again, we need to see life differently. We need to see that, you know, if life is a bowl of cherries, why is my life the pits? It's just sometimes trouble comes. And it amazes me. I, I haven't suffered much, you know. I've suffered very little for my faith. I almost got beat up one time. I had rock candy thrown at me. It did hit me. But um, I got backed into corner by guys who were huge, but they didn't do anything to me. Got sick being in a third world country. But I've just done very little suffering for Christ. But there are various trials and so forth that come through, and they, they can tend to unnerve me, get me a little off balance. And I need to see, and you need to see, that these trials, they're going to come. Only let them come because you're following Christ. Don't do it. Don't, let me tell you, if we sin, or we act stupid, or we blow our top, or we tell our boss that if we get fired, we can't go back and say, well, I'm just suffering trials. No, it's because we did something stupid or something wicked. But even if we do everything right and God loves us and we're in fellowship with Him, things are going to happen. And we need to realize that those trials are to prove our faith, which, are more, which is more precious than gold. And gold is precious. I've never seen anyone turn gold down. It's precious. And we need to realize that the suffering is temporary, but the glory to follow is eternal. Those who are not born again, you need to come to grip with this gospel of our great salvation. And realize that it is unique. I'm going to tell you it is unique. You say, well, all roads lead to heaven. All roads but this one. This is unique. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Mutually exclusive of all others. And I want to tell you, His message is unique of all others. And that is that He loves sinners. And he came into this world the first time, not to judge the world, but to save it. And he died for you. We have a Savior that died for us. It's not like Allah who says, go die for me. I want to tell you, it is so upside down, everything else. Running out of time. I wish I could go on about this. It's just, it's, it's great stuff. Do like the prophets of old. Look at the Scriptures. Make careful search and inquiry. I'll tell you, if I was going to start, and I, where I start, a lot of people say, start with the Gospel of John and ask yourself and answer three questions from each chapter. Who is Jesus Christ? What did He teach? And how did people respond to Him? By the time you get to the end of that book, I'd add one more question. How are you going to respond to Him? Let's pray. Lord, I just pray that um, we got a glimpse. And uh, in this brief time, we just can't plumb the depths of this tremendous salvation. We thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Your Spirit. I pray, Lord, for those here who are Your children that are going through trials and are discouraged, You would comfort them and lift their spirits. Cause them to look anew on the, on the salvation yet to be revealed. And with anticipation, Lord, that our hearts would wait 
and yearn for that day. For any here who don't know you yet, I pray, Lord, that you'd be speaking to their hearts and their minds, addressing their will as well. We just ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen.